0: Hello, Marvelites. This is Ryan Penagos, a.k.a. Agent M, Executive Editorial Director for Marvel's Digital Media Group, on a special episode of This Week in Marvel, joined by... Chris Cosentino,
1: chef and partner of Encanto and Bocalone, and Pig in Los Angeles. I got your book that is sitting on the table that you, you should also mention. Beginnings, My Way to Start a Meal. It's a seasonal book all about first courses.
0: It was super cool, especially I opened up the first couple pages and it's all the sausages and all that stuff, and which is awesome. You have a whole thing going on with with the salumi, right?
1: Yeah, so Bocalone is a... Well, it all started at Encanto, which is the restaurant. I started curing and producing all my own meats within the restaurant. And we outgrew the space. I couldn't keep up even with the demand in the restaurant. We were looking for an alternate location to prepare and and cure an age off-site. And we stumbled upon a facility that wanted to sell, and Bocalone was born. You know, now we're doing 28 plus products cooked and cured. Uh, Some fresh, fresh sausages, uh, cured salami, you know, whole muscle salamis and then, you know, ready to cook products like pancetta and guanciale and stuff.
0: What is your favorite? Because in your book, you have all these different types and all the what everything that goes into it. And I was telling my wife, I was like, because she loves she loves it even more than I do. She'll always want to get the charcuterie plate or whatever Uh they call it in the restaurant. And she's like, she's like, I don't know how to make them. I just want to eat them. And I'm like, no. Check this out. It's really cool. What is your favorite?
1: My favorite? I mean, they're all special in their own way. Picking your favorite is like picking your It's sure. like saying to somebody, hey, you've got four kids. Which one's your favorite? That's easy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for me, it's. I, I like each one for their own. Each uniqueness, you know, I love the porchetta de testa, taking a head and deboning it, rolling it into itself, treating it like the traditional Umbrian porchetta de testa with lots of garlic and rosemary. I'm a complete blood sausage freak, so sanguinaccio. I really, really love that. And then our lardo right now, we're using Iberco de bellota, which is the acorn fed pigs from Spain. We're getting their fat from Spain, from Fermin, and we're making lardo with that. So, I mean, those are just a couple things. You know, and then there's like, we have, you know, four to five different types of salami, hard salamis. Then we have two spreadable salamis. I I love our Anduja and our Chiasculo, which, so the way I describe it is, Anduja is the southern spicy Late. This is the way I describe it to customers. It's a southern spicy lady who loves when the Navy comes to town because she loves to hang out with the sailors. And then we have her sister, who's the northern version, who's very quiet, very subtle and delicate, and she likes to hang out at the library. And that's the Chiasculo, which is porcini and is not as spreadable. The anduya is really spicy. It's vibrant red, uh, and that's completely spreadable. Bread.
0: Amazing. You know, your your Twitter is Oful Chris. your Instagram everything. So there's the that aspect of your cooking, but I was surprised there's a lot of stuff that in here that's like a really nice salad, really stuff that is totally different from if someone was just seeing you post pictures of, you know, five dead geese hanging, you know, in your restaurant. I thought that was cool.
1: Well, that was part of the, part of the plan with the book was to kind of flip everybody upside down. It was my gentle middle finger to everybody <laughs> out there who thought they knew what I was doing. This book is 10 years of Encanto, and I had to omit so many things. But these are things that I do at the restaurant all the time. You know, we're always doing these different dishes. I love vegetables. I use tons of vegetables. I treat vegetables like meat, you know. So it's, whether it's a simple radish salad and butter or, you know, really beautiful greens. And, you know, there's so many ways to go with it. And I think people forget that without beautiful produce, you can't really have a a stunning meal. You know, you can't just survive on a big slab of meat alone.
0: This is true. We're going to get back to some food stuff, but... You know, a lot of our regulars are going to be like, "Why are we just talking about food on a Marvel podcast?" But there's a lot of actually cool connections here. First, tell us how you got linked up with Marvel, and in particular, CB Cebulski. So, everybody knows
1: Twitter has now become this magic connector of people.
0: It really is. Like you, even joking about it, it is.
1: It's a it's a really amazing tool. When I started on Twitter, God, I think I started on Twitter like the second week it came. It was available. I, started, I was posting up pictures of the food in the restaurant and what was changing and evolving. And I started getting a lot of comments from uh, CB Soblowski, not knowing who it was. And it just started, I started getting more and more. And uh, one day, I was asking very detailed questions about a dish that I was doing. And I clicked on his icon, and it was a really amazing caricature of him. And I was like, wow, this is cool. And I clicked and it said Itaku. And I went on the site. And then it said there, Marvel. And I was like, who is this guy? Where does he come from? Like, what is going on? And it's just constant, really sound knowledge of food. It wasn't like somebody just chiming in being smarty pants. It was somebody who really knew what they were talking about. So we started corresponding a lot with each other. And he was coming out for the San Francisco Comic Con. And he came to the restaurant. And we started hanging out. And there was a discussion of Encanto and the restaurant being drawn into a book. Whether it be X-Men or Wolverine. And then we also discussed the old, well, I think it was 1976 or 74 or 76 was the comic book that was a cookbook with all the characters. There was like Spider-Man wearing a, a really funny, it was basically wearing, you know, his grandmother's, his aunt's apron with the little frillies and the frilly neck. Oh, yeah. And Wolverine was cooking in a kitchen and Colossal was cooking in a kitchen. And he had all these guys cooking a dish. And it was kind of an odd... I remember seeing this book yeah. and CB brought it up and we started talking a lot about it. And, you know, is it possible that it'll come back and what's going on with that? And that's how this originally started was us just talking about, you know, what I liked as a kid, comic books and how I like Nightcrawler. And I'm a huge Wolverine fan and I love the X-Men. We just kept on going and going and talking about it. And he really wanted them to etch in in Kanto because at that time... Mayor Gavin Newsom had already been etched into one of the books, mm-hmm. and he was like, well, why not? And he's like, you're you're part of the community. It makes sense. Maybe they have see you at the farmer's market, do a farmer's market shot, and then do a shot of the restaurant. And it didn't happen, and CB was a little bit irritated by it. And from that came, well, you know what? They didn't draw you in and write you in, so write an issue yourself. And I thought he was kidding. Yeah. I thought it was a full joke. And. And I got an email from him a couple weeks later. It says, "So, are you writing a comic book or not?" So one night after getting my ass handed to me on a busy Saturday night with short two cooks, I was home wired out of my mind from midnight till six a.m. I wrote an issue of Wolverine. That's bananas.
0: Fans always ask, "How do I? I want to write comics. I want to do this." And CB and, and we have this great panel at all these conventions called "How to Break Into Comics: The Marvel Way." And CB always sort of starts telling. Going through the panel by telling the story, like, it's been passed down now. I don't even know who originally said it, but there's a line that, you know, breaking into comics is like breaking out of jail. Once someone does it a certain way, that way is closed forever. And that's true because no one will ever break into comics the same exact way that no. you did. No, no. And that, that, I love that story. It's so it's so very specific and cool, but it makes perfect sense. I mean, you're a fan. The connections between food and comics, both from the fans, the passion, everything, it's really there. You know, especially you look at CB. I mean, he's all over the world. He's oh, yeah. doing super cool stuff. It's great. Well,
1: I think there's a, a very similar lines. You have driven, passionate. People in both communities, whether it's the food community or the comic community, they're very passionate, they believe in it 110%. They go to that next level to get, whether it be a preview of the next issue or somebody's trying to get a sneak peek of a new menu or a new restaurant coming up. It's the same thing, they're on parallel paths. Yeah. A foodie and somebody that goes to the WonderCon or Comic Con conventions, they're very much the same. Some dress up fancy, the others dress up like their favorite superhero. There's passion involved. And I think that's what's so amazing about it. And everybody eats, you know, everybody eats. And I think there's this colliding world that's happening that I think is really natural and very simple,
0: Yeah,
1: you know? And as you start flicking through some of the books and you'll find them, you'll find them sitting at a campfire eating, you'll find them drinking beer, you know, you'll see them in restaurants you'll see these things happening but they're subtle they're not a major focus but it's always a part of the book
0: yeah there's you know what i'm trying to think about it i'm going to try and remember this for when the book comes out i want to do a whole week of because we do a panel of the day on Tumblr, of characters eating. Because I can think of, there's a great shot of Thing eating a giant sandwich in an Avengers comic. Like, big I thing. remember that yeah, one. That one's old. It, that was like, it's a yeah. like a huge Dagwood-style sandwich. Yeah, it's yeah, huge, it's right? awesome. There's a lot of stuff like that. And also, I was listening to this pod, a wrestling podcast, and there's a wrestler, Kofi Kingston. Very svelte guy. And he, on the podcast, he talks about how he has super-fast metabolism. He has to eat all the time, mm-hmm. and he doesn't like food. And I was like, how do you not like food? I someone who doesn't like food is to me someone who doesn't like music. I don't my my brain doesn't have that same I can't connect to that. It's so weird to me. And I, I don't know if you ever encounter people who are just like, yeah, no, I don't really like food. Well,
1: I think a lot of that comes down to those those are the type of people that look at food like they're filling their car with a tank of gas. It's fuel. Yeah. They don't look at it as something to enjoy. They may enjoy other things in life, but they don't look at going out to a restaurant, or eating a meal with friends and family, something to enjoy. For them, it's a process. you know. So this particular wrestler, I'm sure, is ripped, right? Ripped, like buff as all get Very up. healthy young man. Very healthy lad, right? Yeah. So that being said, you need to get that way somehow. So what do you do? You monitor your diet. You monitor what you're eating and how much you eat and what you're eating so that you can stick with your fitness. Yeah. So to them, it becomes a mode of feeding just like a car you need to give it enough fuel to get to the next stop yep. to fuel up again it's a different world we yeah. live in the different strokes for different folks
0: and you know do i begrudge that no would i ever be like that Nah. Yeah. but even still I, like i feel like i just want to i want to be like kofi let's go to this restaurant that i like let me let me show you like a couple things and then maybe your mind will change because there there's just got it there's that aha moment everyone has when they they eat something and they're like Oh my, oh, my goodness.
1: Everybody has a food epiphany in life. Everybody should have great food memories from their childhood. Yeah. I'm sure you do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? You oh, can yeah. think of a certain moment where you had something, you were, whether it's with your parents, your grandparents. You were sitting on a beach or you were, you know, shucking oysters. You know, there's these moments that people have that are really – food memories are very powerful. Mm-hmm. And those are things that should never go away they're very important and i think some people may have never had those and they will that something will trigger that moment in life maybe it's when they're sitting there and they're out for dinner with somebody that becomes very special to them and very important to them and that that there'll be that transcending moment where it all clicks yeah. but it doesn't happen for everybody there are people who you know sometimes those people don't have taste buds they do but they're very muted yeah. or there are people that are such super tasters that everything is so overpowering that it's unenjoyable. Huh. Because bitter becomes super bitter. Right? Yeah. Sweet becomes super sweet. Spicy becomes super spicy. So, I mean, could you imagine if that was your life?
0: Horrible. It'd be too it's too it's much. Too much. Too it's it's overload. Much, yeah.
1: It's just like, you know, what do they you know when you see those blinky lights on bicycles that mm-hmm. are coming, they want to make sure you see them, but it's almost like you're having an acid trip. You're like, "Oh, it's <laughs> killing my eyes." If you're having that experience with food, it can be it can be overloaded and, un- and unenjoyable.
0: Yeah. I'm sure you can't pick one, but do you have really fond those early food memories can you think of any or oh yeah
1: any? I think you know I was very fortunate I grew up in New England I grew up on the water I mean literally when I say on the water like I could throw a rock out of my bedroom window and it would I would hear it hit the water we grew up cohogging, or you know cohogs. no sorry all right clams big surf okay. clams they're huge they could weigh about a half a pound each so you'd serve clams, mussels. We, uh, you know, I'd make clam chowder with my grandmother. But having a raw cherry stone for the first time with mm-hmm. my grandfather, it's really powerful. You know, it's like you're having this. It's really briny. It has a lot of umami. It's rich. You know, it's it's very, it's very luscious. But at the same time, it's salty, and your you, your body's like, what do I? What's going on? There's so many reactions going on yeah. in your palate, and those are very powerful, very powerful moments. Yeah. You know, making, you know, smelling clam chowder being made with my grandmother. Like, the back fat. You know, she used actually pork belly. Classic was original New England clam chowder. Was bacon. Beer. Never wine. Wasn't always back fat. It was belly. Beer, because wine wasn't available. And it sure as hell wasn't cream, because cream wasn't available. It was the steaming liquid from opening all the clams. Wow. Wow. So what you know is New England clam chowder, and then there's Rhode Island chowder, and then there's Manhattan, right? Manhattan's red, Mm -hmm. New England's cream, Rhode Island is broth. That's the original.
0: I had no idea. My wife had New England clam chowder for the first time a couple weeks ago.
1: It's good stuff. She liked it. Oh, yeah. Yeah? I enjoyed it. It's good stuff. I mean, you know, they're very, there's a lot of differences in food, and I think it's really, it's amazing, the history behind it. Yeah. You know? Just like, you know, like looking in, in Marvel, look through Marvel history, right? You you can you, How far back can you take each character? And there's so many changes that have happened and so much history to it. And I'm sure that you, I mean, nowadays, there's, there's I'm sure there's historians for, there's people that are like studying each character, whether it be the costume or, you know, their outfit that they were wearing or the story and the line that it's traveled and who they've crossed paths with. And it's the same thing with food. Yep. And again, it goes back to what we said before. There's that passion. And there's that love of what's going on, but also they, they do this. They're right
0: next, they're parallel to each other the whole time. And yeah. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I, like I can think of, on the same token, of the food memories, the comic book memories. Like where I was reading Punisher War Journal number 6 with Wolverine and Punisher fighting each other. I was in day camp. You know, like there's certain very specific memories we talked about. I remember fans, that book. <laughs> yeah, our fans know, you know, like they come at us all the time. Oh, I read this, and it's, it's awesome. It's super cool to, to explore that. Now, you mentioned Nightcrawler. Why Nightcrawler? You're like, Ah. Wolverine, yeah, we talked a little bit, but why Nightcrawler? Well, you know, it's
1: really interesting. You know, Wolverine is this mysterious character. There is a lot more to be known about Wolverine now than there was when, I mean, I'm 40. So when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. there was, it was very vague. There was very little information, right? Mm -hmm. So he's kind of, he was, he was like the Boba Fett of the comic book world, right? Yeah. You know, they're totally both very way. similar. You know, and that like they're very mysterious. They're very interesting. Everybody's like, they're kind of, what's going on with super them? Badass. Are they super bad? Are they super good? What's going on? You don't know which what's, what's going to happen. Yeah. But Nightcrawler, there was this, there was this very, I think, very Zen thing about Nightcrawler. This very peaceful thing about him. He was very peaceful yet very troubled. It was all, it was this this turmoil going on in his head. And trying to find solace, and I thought that was a really cool thing about
0: it. That's Marvel right there. That's what we do. It's, I it's loved, the turmoil and all
1: I loved, loved, loved Nightcrawler. I loved the, the peace and the serenity that I would find in the most obscure, unique places. Yeah. I loved him.
0: Fortunately for you, we killed him a couple of years ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, and Wolverine and the X-Men. So if you guys are listening to this, you should check out Wolverine and the X-Men, Thor, Wolverine, Chris recorded some Marvel AR videos for those, and in *Wolverine* and the *X-Men*, there are these characters. I don't know if you've seen them. They're called bamps, and they are—they look just like Nightcrawler, but they're like, you know, a foot tall, and there are tons of them. And they—they're like little demon imps, and we haven't gotten to the exploration of what they are. But there's some really cool stories that I think you will dig when we get to really, this. yeah. There's some cool stuff. bamps. Because huh. that's the sound that, that Nightcrawler is Yeah, tell, bam, Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, uh, So it's really cool stuff that's coming up that I think you'll dig.
1: Wow. Go. Yeah. You guys are always turning the pot.
0: That's what we do. All right, so we're going to wrap this up. How can fans find you online? Online, OfulGood.com,
1: or they can follow me on OfulChris Twitter, OfulChris Instagram. And uh, you can always check out the restaurant as well.
0: Very good. Awesome. The restaurants again, one more time.
1: In Canto in San Francisco, Bocalone is our salumeria in San Francisco, and Pig in Los Angeles, which is inside the umami cutessen.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. This is Marvel, your universe.